You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Andrew P. Meyer. His new book is Hearts of Smoke and Steam. He's the author of the Society of Steam series. Thank you for joining me, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This is a very fascinating kind of fantasy because it's really technological, and yet it has the feel of, of a fantasy novel. So I'd like you to talk about uh, doing that kind of uh, combination of opposites. Sure. I mean, I think, I think some of that's inherent in the steampunk genre. You know, steampunk, my definition of of fantasy and sci-fi puts steampunk more in the sci-fi world because it's about relationship with technology rather than relationship with mythology. But I think that the superhero genre, which is what I, which was what I sort of mixed in here, is more of a fantasy genre. I mean, outside of Iron Man, maybe, but like it's it's uh, you know it's more of, it has more of that fantasy. Like characters are become their ideas, they become their ideals, right? And they and they fight under n- other names. So I think I think that puts a lot of the fantasy back into the story. Now, uh, steampunk is generally set in London, and you've taken it to New York. Talk about making that decision, and also making the decision to write in steampunk, which is a really popular genre right now. There's a lot of competition out there. Well, I started the book in, uh, in 2007, so there was a little less competition back then. So that's, the third book's going to be coming out in January to complete the trilogy, Power Under Pressure. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting for me. I'm a native New Yorker. I was born in Manhattan, but my mother's British and was born in London. At the time, I think a lot of the fiction had been written in England. And, you know, New York had a really vibrant Victorian era. And I, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, like, I can really not only write about this, but I can really make the, the city a character in the book. And I think in the first two especially, I really managed to get a lot of the city in there. In the third book, there's a lot of battles to be done and, and, and fights to be had and, and, and things to be completed. But I, I, I feel like, you know, New York, I, I gave New York as much love as I could. And, you know, the beautiful thing about New York, and I think this is probably true for London too, but, you know, New York, the New York that we know and love today, that appeared in the, in the Victorian era. So a lot of that city is still around and a lot of the city that we think of as New York is, was built and created in that time period. Did you do a lot of research? There's some. <clears throat> I just read a fascinating book called Island of Vice by... Richard Zacks, which is all about Teddy Roosevelt's first days as police commissioner. Right. I, I um, there's a, there's a actually, I mean, one thing about New York is you can just walk around and see the history. I mean, I mean, the, the book opens on the Brooklyn Bridge and, you know, before, it was, as just before, about a couple of years before it was completed. There's also a thing called the Tenement Museum in New York that was really, that was a big moment for me. Um, they actually cracked open some of these buildings and they hadn't really been touched for almost 100 years. So they were able to restore these old tenements back to their historical antecedents, and they were amazing. I mean, you know, just in terms of how people lived, there's a couple scenes, again, in book one especially, that are directly taken from my experience that, with that. Talk about creating characters to inhabit this world uh, that have so much resonance with our world, but <clears throat> are not of our world. Well, I mean, again, I think one of the joys of writing in that period is that so much of our world, you know, they are the, the grandparents of the world that we live in. So much of what we think of as the modern times was, you know, our, our relationship with technology and, and the way our finances work and, all, and the way really the America works as a, comp- as a con- country all really were formed in that post-Civil War period. So, you know, and the other thing for me was 
I wasn't looking to write frivolous steampunk. I mean, one of the things I loved about the early books was was a, that it was about class and rela- about the relationship of the characters to the world that they were in, and I wanted to catch that. I mean, I did have the, you know, the Sarah Stanton is, is a, you know, a young female heroine, but I really, but my mother being British and having been raised in that period, I really wanted to capture some of the fact that my mother has good manners. My mother, you know, was, was raised in a sort of a neo-Edwardian world and that there's still a lot of power that you can have and a lot of impact you can have, even if you play by the rules to some degree. I love how busy these books are. I mean, they're really action-packed and fun, fun, fun to read. And I think that's one of the things that is interesting about steampunk. For some reason, it just seems it makes a reading experience. There's a lot of joy in there. Well, you know, for me, a lot of that came from the comic book side, too. I mean, I, I really based my plotting a lot on what I loved about the early Marvel comics. I mean, I wanted to deepen it, and I wanted to give it a little more of that modern flair. But I think, you know, you, you know driving towards the action, and, you know, the, the phrase I use a lot is ridic- the ridiculous and the sublime, which is to, that the, the plot of the stories can be ridiculous, but the narrative can be sublime, right? That the characters are thinking, why am I in this crazy situation? What's going on? You know, and really working to give the villain a motivation you know, the, a, scener- a scenery-chewing villain with a crazy plot and give him that motivation Give him that motivation for doing it. Why does he want to take over the world or destroy it or change everything? Oh, well, too, you have that, that certain kind of prose style that you've developed that, again, just creates this world for us. We read two sentences, and I'm wondering if you had to tweeze your prose style from whatever you'd written before to create this world. So it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, I, you know, it's, it's sort of maybe it's like, you know, Victorian BS style, right? I mean, it's Victorian flavored. It, 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 it's, you know, I do look up words and change them if I, you know, I, have, I go to the etymology dictionary and I look up, you know, when were these words here? Sometimes I'm sure there's words. I mean, if you, if, I'm sure you could quickly bust me for that. Um, but like Mary Robinette Kowal, she, you know, uses Jane, she takes Jane Eyre as a spell checker and like checks every, and it's not in there. She looks up those words. Like I'm not that detailed. Um, but I wanted to give it a flavor of that, and I wanted to give it a voice of that, but I also didn't want it. I mean, I think, you know, the Sherlock, the new Sherlock Holmes movies capture some of what I'm going for in terms of tone, in terms of, it, it, I want it to sound period, I want it to feel period, but it doesn't need to be period. And you mentioned Sherlock Holmes, and I think that's something that's really important, the influence on this book of the, the mystery genre, too. It re- seems like that's a really critical key, that it's easy to, to not notice it, given the, the, the milieu. Well, yeah, book one, I really um, sort of pushed a lot of the noir mystery stuff. Um, and then book two goes more towards, I mean, I say romance. I mean, it's the backbone is more of a romance in terms of, the, in terms of why the characters are motivated and what they're doing. And then book three, I really go for the big action ending. So, you know, it, it's, it's a, I, I pulled a little bit of different genre. I don't know if you would notice it, but for me, it was important to keep me tracked and focused. You're working on the third book or finished with it? Uh, handed in today. Wow. <laughs> Do you know where you're going next? Yeah, um, the next series is going to be, um, I think, more, well, I have this idea that I've been working on for a long time uh, that was sort of like taking some of the elements of Doctor Who as a genre, um, in terms of the character and, and the relationship with a companion and that kind of stuff. It started out being more of a fantasy, but it's rapidly moving into urban fantasy. In urban fantasy, are you going to set it in the current day? Yeah, I mean, that's the decision I need to make. I mean, I, I don't want to do time travel. I had some ideas um, that were differentiated a little bit, but I think it's, it's falling more into the modern world, yeah. Now, when you wrote these books, did you have an idea of the whole plot arc? I, you know, I did, and um, but originally it was it was sold as a two book series, and I got about halfway through the second, and I realized it was going to be much bigger. It's had its own life, and I think the ending has changed a little bit in terms of certain elements. Um, the fortified steam, particularly, became more important and, and more central, and the and the theme of um, 
of uh, evolution and change and that and that kind of thing sort of started to grow as, as well. Talk about including like real kind of science and turning that into you know hand waving to a degree, but also into creating its own you know parallel version of science. Yeah, I mean, I really. Um, so the fortified my one big my one big magical thing is the fortified steam right like that you know and the alpha element and, and that's the big sort of fantasy magical element that powers all the superheroic stuff. Outside of that, I really like the way that period you know there's a physicality and a and um, a sensuality to the way to the way technology worked back then. You know that you could see like if you look at the Brooklyn Bridge, if you go walk the Brooklyn Bridge, which I highly recommend, the thing that you see there is that. The, the bridge is designed to showcase the amazing engineering that was behind it, right? And, and, and it works great for superheroes because mad scientists aren't mad scientists. They're mad engineers, right? Like, they call themselves mad scientists, but scientists, you know, you can't research someone to death, right? You've got to build a death ray. So, um, you know, I really felt there was a lot of inspiration for um, the villains and the heroes in terms of that sort of mad science, and I really took a lot of inspiration from that. And, again, like, it's about... But those guys were so excited, even historically, about what they were doing, they would expose as much of that as they can. And you see it in Victorian-era stuff. There's a Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth. It's in, it's in Sydney. And again, it's like all these exposed beams. And they really wanted to expose the physics and the work that they were doing and how amazing this all was. And what's amazing is that you create a prose world where we experience that but see none of your clockwork. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I do try to describe it. I mean, I... I, I, yeah, you can't. I mean, I can't draw it, right? I can't draw you a picture. No, what I'm saying is, is that we don't see all the kind of the prose clockwork, the literary clockwork that goes into making the novel, and that's it's great. We just we immerse ourselves in the world itself in the reading experience. I, I appreciate that. I hope that's true. I mean, I think I think there's when I when I look at it, I do see a bit where there's a bit more exposed than maybe I was I was hoping for. But you know, that's that's part of being an author, right? Is that you see you know that you have a different experience of the book than everybody else does. The engineer sees more of the flaws than anybody else, <laughs> the com- and the compromises, right? The place you had to use the substandard. I've been speaking with Andrew Meyer. His new book is Hearts of Smoke and Steam. Thank you for joining me, Andrew. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.